the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon. Happy to have you along on this excessively humid day in southwestern Pennsylvania. For those of you who are living through it, let me just ask you the all-important question. Do you have air conditioning? Now, most of you are saying yes. You're saying any self-respecting person who has any level of, you know, self-awareness would have air conditioning. And I would say, except the Emmons family. So I stand here before you. And by the way, when I say stand here before you, uh, you're listening on Word FM, but also you can watch the program right now, Facebook Live 101.5 Word FM. And in just a minute, I will share it to the uh, Ride Home with John and Kathy page. Anyway, uh, here's the scoop. It's really hot in here. And um you know, I have, you know, naturally curly hair. So as the show uh, goes on, you might want to track how large it gets, you know, by six o'clock, it might not even fit in the uh, viewfinder. It could be really tragic. Anyway, happy to have you along today. My on-air partner, John Hall, taking a day off, but we have a lot ahead on today's program. Let me just give you a little peek into it. Um, We're going to talk about three myths Americans believe about abortion. Now, those of us who've been involved with the anti-abortion movement for a long time, I don't know. I think we can start to feel a little self-righteous about it. You know, we've uh, been consistent about it. We've voted in this particular way. We've advocated in this particular way. And we don't want anyone telling us that we're doing it wrong. Well, Dr. Charlie Camosi might tell us just a little bit of a way that we could improve not just what we do, but our messaging also. That's in the five o'clock hour. Also, it sounds like the European Union will open its borders to fully vaccinated Americans. What does that mean to you as an international traveler? Are you going to pick up and go? Are you going to just hang back a little bit and like see what's going on in Western Germany COVID wise before you take off? Also, it looks like Kevin Spacey has been forgiven, right? He uh, had several sexual assault allegations that were leveled against him, pushed him out of the Hollywood mainstream. Now he's back. We'll figure out why and how that possibly happened. Also, Israel and Palestine, how should Christians think about that conflict? Is it enough to take sides or is it even appropriate to take sides or is it all important to take sides? We'll be talking about that with Michelle Van Loon and coming up in just a couple of minutes this week in the nation's capital, our live talk on our Monday show with Greg Clugston. But before any of that, let us turn, and would you turn with me, to the top four. All righty, people. For Monday, May 24th, 2021, number one. President Alexander Lukashenko of Belarus, often referred to as Europe's last dictator, ordered a MiG-29 fighter jet to divert a Ryanair flight yesterday in order to arrest an opposition activist. 
According to the dispatch, journalist Raman Pratasevich was taken into custody for his role in scheduling and publicizing last year's demonstrations after being forcibly deboarded from the plane. The activist is best known for his co-founding of the app Telegram's Nexta channel, which provided up-to-date info on last year's anti-government protests. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said this, quote, this shocking act perpetrated by the Lukashenko regime endangered the lives of more than 120 passengers, including U.S. citizens. Independent media are an essential pillar supporting the rule of law and a vital component of a democratic society. The U.S. once again condemns the Lukashenko regime's ongoing harassment and arbitrary detention of journalists. We stand with the Belarusian people in their aspirations for a free, democratic and prosperous future. Number two, in April 2012, six miners in a village deep in the mountains of southwest China fell sick with a mysterious illness after entering a disused copper mine to clear bat guano. Three of them later died. Chinese scientists from the Wuhan Institute of Virology were called in to investigate and after taking samples from the bats in the mine, identified what? Several new coronaviruses. Now, according to today's Wall Street Journal in a blockbuster, long, in-depth piece, unanswered questions about the miners' illness, the viruses found at the site, and the research done with them have elevated into mainstream an idea once dismissed as a conspiracy theory, that is, that COVID-19 might have leaked from a lab in Wuhan, the city where the first cases were found in December of 2019. A growing number of scientists, including the Director General of the World Health Organization and a prominent U.S. researcher who has worked with the Wuhan Institute, agree that the WIV needs to provide more information immediately about its work to categorically rule out a lab spill. Now, the Wall Street Journal reported just yesterday that three WIV researchers became ill enough back in November of 2019, again, this is in southwestern China, that they sought local hospital care according to a previously undisclosed U.S. intelligence intelligence report. And number three, speaking of COVID, the governor of Pennsylvania, his goal of having 70% of adult Pennsylvanians fully vaccinated may well be within reach in a month's time. According to today's trib and data from the CDC, PA is just half a percentage point shy of hitting 70% of adults with at least one dose of a vaccine. That's over 7 million adults. If everyone who currently has just one dose goes back for their second, then 69.5 will be fully covered. Wolf has also stated that our mask mandate would be lifted when we hit that 70% threshold. And number four, yesterday was one of the great days ever in golf. One of the great days ever, really, in sports. Phil Mickelson, three weeks short of age 51, became the oldest person to win a golf major in history when he two-putted 18 at the 2021 PGA Tournament in Kiowa Island, South Carolina. Mickelson was ranked somewhere in the hundreds. He hadn't won a major since 2013, and he was a regular on the Champions Tour, which, if you don't follow golf, is the one for the older guys. But... He was leading going into day four of the PGA, and when he hit a bunker shot in the fifth that was so incredible, so incredibly Mickelson, the crowd instantly went crazy and stayed that way for the other 13 holes. The literal, actual mob scene on the way to the 18th green was something I have never witnessed in a lifetime of watching golf. And when Mickelson finally tapped it in and won the sixth major of his career, the second PGA, with his brother Tim as his caddy, I think everybody watching, of course, except for the grumpy Brooks Kepka who played with Mickelson all day, let out a cheer. It was a great day for sport. And that is your top four.
Well, that is a lot, a heck of a lot going on in the news today, uh, nationally, nationally and internationally. So let's get right to it. We're going to take a break. But when we come back, Greg Clugston will be along with us. Greg is the SRN News White House correspondent. We'll talk about the latest from inside the Beltway and around the world. That's next Monday edition of the Ride House. WORD. This week on Truth For Life, we'll be reminded that only God's transforming power can change a life. And we'll also learn that the choices we're making right now are the legacy we'll leave behind. Make sure you listen all this week to Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Tomorrow morning at 6 on 101.5 WORD. It's no secret that the Western Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh real estate market have exploded, especially in the last couple of years. Uh, For so long, it was easy to buy a house in our town. Really straightforward experience, but not so much anymore. Housing prices have really gone through the roof, and it's a seller's market. So, if you're looking to buy, United Faith Mortgage is a great tool in your toolbox. Their direct lender advantage, really, it's everything. It gives you the necessary help and the best deal possible on a new mortgage. Plus, the family behind United Faith Mortgage, they're open about their faith, and it's evident in how they live and especially how they do business. Hundreds and hundreds of happy people living in their dream house because of the excellence of United Faith Mortgage. Look online, United Faith Mortgage. It's a good family doing the right thing. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. If you're in HR, you're probably wearing a lot of hats. Recruiter, team builder, trainer, mediator, policymaker, and of course, paper pusher. But not anymore. Bamboo HR is the number one HR software for small and medium businesses. It manages all your employee data easily and automates countless tasks so you can focus on people, not paperwork. Bamboo HR frees you from spreadsheets so you can do your real job creating a great place to work. If the data shuffle and paperwork mountain have you ready to hang up all your hats, you're ready for Bamboo. If you handle HR records and paperwork, Bamboo HR is a dream. Let us free up your time and put your days of pushing paperwork behind you so you can focus on the people and making your company a great place to work for everyone. Try PC Magazine's top pick for HR software free today. Just go to BambooHR.com slash HR. This is a limited offer, only available to radio listeners at BambooHR.com slash HR. That's BambooHR.com slash HR. Having your own home is awesome, but it's also a lot of work. The good news? Finding help for your projects is easier than ever. Introducing Angie, the app that puts all your home care needs at your fingertips. Need a pro to fix that emergency leak? Maybe find someone to build a deck or even set your seasonal tasks on autopilot. Angie can handle all that and more. Expert pros, hundreds of home projects, clear pricing, and the easiest way to book and pay in seconds. This is Angie. Your home for everything home. Download the app today. Belarus. It was flying from Greece to, I think, Lithuania. So flying between two different EU countries. And Belarus then says to the flight crew, uh, there's a bomb threat and you need to land in Minsk. They, they land the plane there. It's a commercial airliner. And they arrest this uh, journalist who's also an opposition leader to the uh, to the government there in Belarus. And so this uh, has angered European Union leaders, as you might imagine. 
the U.S. has expressed outrage at the White House, at the State Department. Um, the, the United States, the Biden administration, Kathy, hasn't gone as far as EU leaders as calling this essentially a, a hijacking, a forced hijacking. Okay. But, but that's how the EU is looking at it. And apparently the EU just in the last few minutes has uh, issued some sanctions and we'll have okay. to see if the U.S. follows suit. But it's uh, it's it's kind of one of those moves that you might expect to see in a in a spy thriller movie or something, but sure. not real life. Sure. Well, you know, the European Union is much closer geographically to Lukashenko, who's crazy. Um, So maybe that, you know, can explain why they're a little more upset about it than the U.S. But certainly the, you know, the U.S. Secretary of State weighed in last night and said, look, we we can't have this. We stand with the people of Belarus. Um, Why do you think that the president hangs back on this? Is it because we're the, you know, kind of the biggest dog? Well, I'm, I'm not sure if it's that exactly. It, it, it could be. That could be one component of it. I think, obviously, as you just said, the EU, this involved uh, an aircraft that was flying between two EU countries. Sure, so but also, which, what's interesting, and this is maybe another foreign topic on the agenda today, is, is the idea of what, what U.S.-Russian relations are like. And there is a tie between the, uh, the Belarus government and, and Putin in terms of relations with Moscow. And so the U.S. is making plans right now to have a summit in the middle mm. of June between right. Biden and Putin. Putin. Right. And so that's not to say that there was no um, condemnation from the from the Biden administration today on this plane incident, because there was. But in terms of going further, I think they're just going to hold off to see um, how it may or may not affect plans for a summit in the middle of next month. Interesting. That's the larger picture, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Greg Clugs is giving it to us, SRN News White House correspondent. Okay, let's turn to things uh, within our fair shores. Um, the infrastructure bill, you, you know, I, I remember when Biden started out in office, I believe this was even part of his inaugural, you know, he was going to be the bipartisan guy, or at least not bipartisan, he was going to be the guy that reached across the aisle, right? So as the time has gone on, I think perhaps members of the GOP are starting to doubt he really meant it, um, because he's just kind of marching ahead. So the GOP has their version of what they think the infrastructure bill is which last I looked is less than a third of what the Biden administration thinks that the um, infrastructure bill should be. And plus, they can't even really agree on what infrastructure is. <laughs> All of that is is accurate and, and current in terms of the yeah. current. So the price tag on the, the original White House infrastructure plan was something in the neighborhood of $2.3 trillion. Republicans were thinking more like $568 billion. So that's a paltry sum. Yeah. So what happened was the White House last, I think, Friday, late last week, they lowered the price tag from two point three trillion to one point seven trillion. Said, hey, we cut five hundred and fifty some billion dollars. And the White House, I'm sorry, and the GOP uh, Republican senators said no. And they said no for a couple of reasons. One is that the 500 plus billion dollars the White House subtracted, they were going to move a lot of that same funding to other legislation. So it wasn't like they were get doing away with it. They were just shifting it. And so the, White, the Republicans were not happy with that. And then they're still not happy with how President Biden wants to pay for it. The whole corporate tax increase uh, and just simply the price tag of it. They think it's too much. So that's where things stand right now. The White House said earlier today, the ball is in the Republicans' court now because the White House did counteroffer last week, and they're waiting to hear now from the GOP again. 
I heard or I didn't hear. I read Susan Collins this morning talking about it um, from Maine. And she said, you know, we Republicans like to think of infrastructure as roads and bridges and seaports and that kind of thing. But you Democrats, like all of a sudden it's becoming social programs. So there's like a there's a fundamental disagreement about what this bill is supposed to be funding. There- right fundamental philosophical difference of of what infrastructure is it's kind of like a, what 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 is what the meaning of infrastructure is kind right of, with an old right. bill clinton reference there but yeah um, the idea that it's beyond roads and bridges and, and that kind of waterways certainly there is funding for that in the white house plan but you're right kathy republicans are concerned about a lot of add-ons to this package that they say not only raises the price tag, but also fundamentally changes what infrastructure spending is all about. So mm-hmm. until they until they get a handle on uh, bridging those differences, bridging those differences, uh, it's going to be a stalemate. Greg Clugston with us, SRN News White House correspondent. Um, OK, so what about the Israel-Palestine you know, ceasefire? You know, everybody's nervous about it. Nobody can feel good. It's not like anybody's sitting back and saying, well, that's over. Um, so talk about what the president is um, thinking when he's sending the secretary of state to the Mideast. Who's going to be meeting? Who's he going to be meeting with and what's it going to look like? Yeah, so Secretary of State Blinken left earlier today from Washington. He's going to be making stops in Israel also meeting with Palestinian leaders and other regional leaders in the Middle East. Uh, It's really an effort to kind of sort of put a stamp on the ceasefire to say, hey, we got to make sure that this holds, that the truce will hold. Obviously, nobody wants to see this bloodshed and the violence that we we saw over the course of those 11 days. Uh, But also there's there's perhaps an effort by the White House to maybe start laying the groundwork for some more formal peace talks, negotiations that we really haven't seen in in a formal way between Israelis and Palestinians for a long time. Um, As you know, as your listeners know, there have been any number of American presidents and and administrations that have tried uh, with various degrees of effort on peace talks in the Middle East only to come away with the same, you know, grasping at straws, really. So, so we'll have to see what, what may be different or isn't different this time. Uh, but what's interesting is the White House took a lot of heat from Democrats over mm-hmm. President Biden's stance on, on the conflict as it, was under, you know, as it was underway in Gaza. And you had a lot of the, the more liberal progressive wing of the Democratic mm-hmm. Party, especially in Congress, complaining that the White House was giving too much uh, support for Israel's right to self-defense because the White House was very clear that while they didn't like the violence, they also said that these rockets being fired by Hamas and Israel uh, were not justified. So a lot of internal Democratic uh, wrangling going on here as well, Kathy. Yeah, so he's got, you know, Democratic Congress women, you know, yelling at him as he's getting on airplanes, right? I mean, he's got, uh, he's got, you know, people saying to him over and over again, Hamas is a terrorist organization. If a terrorist organization was lobbing missiles into the U.S., you, you know, you bet your boop will be doing something back. Uh, so he's, he's between a rock and a hard place, but he's still a democratic president. So, I mean, what's keeping him at this point that I've seen, he seems to be Without coming out and saying it in boldface, he seems to be staunchly defending Israelis' right to de- Israel's right to defend themselves. Yeah, in fact, he has come out and said that. And uh, his his okay. written statement today in announcing that the Secretary of State was going uh, to Israel, among other stops, was that one of the things that Blinken would would express to the Israelis 
is, and this, these were the president's words in a written statement, ironclad commitment to Israeli security. Is so that Biden, right? Okay. Biden has not moved on that. And that is, doesn't sit well with some wing, at least sure. one party. <laughs> right. Who appears to be very vocal. Right. <laughs> Very vocal. Very vocal. We're talking to Greg Clugston, SRN News White House correspondent. OK, so things are looking really good in our home state here of Pennsylvania. As far as the virus goes, we're almost <clears throat> up to 70 percent of adults vaccinated. So those of us here in this area, we're feeling, you know, really good about things. Talk about the national approach. Um, the White House is getting creative. Um, what are they getting creative with and where are they seeing that they need to be creative? Yeah, well, I, I, they're probably need, they're being forced to be creative because we've kind of reached a certain point nationwide, and then there's been a little bit of you know drop off in demand for vaccinations, and so now the White House, the administration, is working with other partners and private companies to say, okay, how can we continue to see more uh, more Americans get vaccinated? So starting today, and this was announced a couple of weeks ago, but it's starting today. Uber and Lyft, the driving services. What? Uh, they are providing free transportation up to like $25 each way for people to go to the vaccination site and get their shot. So if transportation is, a, is an obstacle for somebody, uh, the hope is from the White House perspective that a free ride will get you there. So that's an interesting approach. And then late last week, the White House announced that they were partnering with a lot of dating apps. I don't have the full list in front of me, but it's like six or seven of the, of the nation's most popular, most used dating apps. And the reason why they're doing this, Kathy, is because these apps are now providing as a part of their profile for people who are looking for a match, whether or not they are vaccinated. And that, <laughs> that's now one of the criteria that's being listed on the dating apps. And, you know, we can laugh at it, but, you know, there are tens of millions of people who use these apps. Right. And that might be incentive for some people. Well, I, I don't know what to say. I just had never considered that. Like, do you like dogs? You know, are you allergic to pollen? And did you get a vaccine? Right. I, I like walks at sunset. I like to <laughs> play volleyball. And yes, I am vaccinated. Yes. Wow. That is really fascinating. Okay. We're talking to Greg Clugston, SRN News White House correspondent. Okay. Only a couple minutes left, Greg. Um, after um, I let you go after the break, we're going to be talking about this news story that came up today about the great American cleanup. It's in the Wall Street Journal talking about how people are investing in all sorts of things at this point, knowing that they're about to go back to work. They're investing in teeth whitener. They're doing like last minute, like uh, dental adjustments. They're buying new kinds of deodorant. Um, you know, people are, are, are signing up for last minute plastic surgery. Now, I guess my question for you is, have you done any of these things in preparation for the end of COVID? And will you consider such? Uh, no and no. I oh, guess okay. it's, or, I, we've done some we've done some house projects around the home here. Okay. A lot of people have done, right. but I haven't done any personal you know, uh, mm. you know, on my body kind of improvements that way in terms of right. what, what's interesting, I guess I, the question I have, Kathy, is um, they didn't care about the color of their teeth or their deodorant before. Not before. The, no, is that not before. And apparently not when they were lounging on the sofa for 15 months. But now now that it's like crunch time, now they're like working out and they're like getting facelifts and all kinds of crazy stuff is happening. I don't know. I mean, I, you and I are on video so much that like whatever we've done has been available for everyone to see for a year. So it's not like we can really go out and surprise anybody. 
true. I, I guess other people perhaps have let themselves go more than we have. You think what that's it, what it is? I like to feel very good about myself. Thank you for ending our segment in such a way. That's Greg Cluxton, SRN News White House correspondent. Thank you, Greg. See you, Kathy. Talk soon. All right. We need to step away. When we come back, we're going to talk about it. Are you involved in this great American cleanup? I mean, are you getting what? Like special kinds of deodorant and teeth whitener? I need to know. We'll talk about it next. The ride home. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof. Or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you've lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months, no interest financing, and no processing fee through dollar bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how would you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding and roof replacement offer valid through June 30th. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsruspittsburgh.com. That is windowsruspittsburgh.com. Pittsburgh.com. You're bringing tears of joy to believers in Africa. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and I'm so grateful that our two ministries have partnered to send God's Word to 5,000 Bibleist believers in Africa. We're halfway to the goal, and I'm so grateful for every gift, but we need to wrap up in the coming days, so our prayer today is that you'll become a Bible sender. We were in a place called Mpumalanga. The lady there, she knelt down and she cried. She never, at the age of 60, she never had a Bible. It is so much fulfilling just to see people like her rejoicing um, when they receive their Bibles. That's Pastor Joseph in South Africa. What did this woman do when she received her Bible? Didn't merely say thanks. She wept for joy. And we're so grateful to be halfway to our goal of 5,000 Bibles to Africa. But we must wrap up in the coming days. $5 sends a Bible, $100 sends 20. Please make your most generous gift at 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give at wordfm.com. It's Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever. For a limited time, save up to $500 on top-rated mattress brands like Sealy and Sleepy's. Plus, get a free adjustable base with your $6.99 mattress purchase. Learning has definitely changed these days. What hasn't changed is the unwavering support parents received from their local Christian school. Many were quick to adapt to the new normal with remote classes taught by caring teachers who pray for students and their families every day. With many schools offering half-price tuition for first-time enrollees like Portersville Christian School in Portersville, PA, it's a great time to consider Christian education. Find a school that's right for you at wordfm.com. We are everywhere on your radio at 101.5 WORD-FM, Pittsburgh, at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at radio.com. Tonight, mostly cloudy and mild with a low 63. Tomorrow, very warm with intervals of clouds and sunshine. A passing morning shower followed by a thunderstorm and spots in the afternoon with a high of 87. 
Tomorrow night, some clouds, warm with a low 66. And Wednesday, a thunderstorm in the area with a high 83. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. Broadcasting on WORD, also streaming, you name it, you pick your streaming platform or your podcast platform, you can find us there. Also streaming at wordfm.com. And also you can watch the show right now. Log on to Facebook, The Ride Home with John and Kathy or 101.5 Word FM. Um, and you can see uh, me in my home uh, studio with my hair getting larger and larger as the humidity level increases. And I welcome all the guests onto today's program. Okay, so here is the first off. Hold on, this just came across my uh, iPad. Breaking news. The EU has agreed to impose new sanctions on Belarus and ban its airlines from EU airspace after it forced a Ryanair plane to land in Minsk. Greg Cluxton intimated that that would happen, and look, it has. Um, Okay, the Great American Cleanup. This is from today's Wall Street Journal. It says this. As vaccination rates climb and restrictions on human interaction ease, shopping carts are filling up with items designed to facilitate people's re-entry into civilization instead of toilet paper and baking flour. Are you ready? Deodorant, teeth whitener are in high demand. Sales of perfume, nail polish, swimsuits. <laughs> Who's going back? Was people wearing swimsuits like back at work? I don't understand. Swimsuits, sunscreen, tuxedos luggage and alarm clocks are climbing fast, according to companies that make these products and also large retailers. When the mayor of Washington, D.C. announced that bars and clubs would fully open in June, Landon Lama, a 25-year-old political consultant, thought, I have a month to get ready. So he ordered teeth whitening gel online. He's been using more facial treatment masks and tanning outside, he said. Quote, it'll be awkward meeting strangers again, he said. Everyone wants to look their best. I mean, you know, <laughs> I get wanting to like wear a nice shirt the first day you go back to, sc- to, to school or to work, whatever it is. But this seems kind of crazy. Anyway, article goes on to say the surge in grooming products and travel gear is smaller than pandemic driven rushes on hand sanitizer and disinfectant wipes. <laughs> goodness. Uh, Last year, some brands had sales double or triple as Americans stayed home and ramped up their cleaning routines. In some cases, store shelves were emptied of those items for weeks as we all remember the toilet paper shortage and no one could find a Lysol wipe anywhere. Fortunately, the Wall Street Journal says there's an ample supply of deodorant and mouthwash. So my question is, I mean, are you doing this? Like if you're watching the the uh, show right now on Facebook, weigh in on the comment section. I have to know if like there are And the rest of the article goes on to say how many people are getting plastic surgery. I mean, plastic surgeons apparently are completely booked up this month as I don't know what people are thinking for like the 12 months previous that they're just going to lay on the sofa and deteriorate. And then the 30 days before they have to go back to work, they're going to get plastic surgery. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. And the uh, doubling or what is it? Quadrupling. No, alarms clock sales doubled in April versus the same month last year. So my question is, do you, do people still use alarm clocks? Gary, do you use an alarm clock? Well, you know, yeah, my phone goes off. Okay. But right. But I, I, I use my phone. Most people I know, I think use their phones. I'm surprised that the sales of alarm clocks are doubling. Well, some people maybe don't like to take their phones to the bedroom. That might be helpful. Probably a healthy choice, right? Probably. Uh, mm-hmm. My wife doesn't take her phone to the bedroom. Well, we all know but that I'm she's on call twenty four seven, so I have to have mine. So I might as well use that instead. 
Right. So if the station goes down, right, and right. you've decided that you're not going to answer the phone, that's not going to go well for no, you. No, probably not. Okay. All righty. Well, anyway, we're going to step away. When we come back, very anxious to have this conversation with Michelle Van Loon about Israel and Palestine. Michelle is from Jewish descent. She's a believer in Jesus, and she has some interesting thoughts about how we can look at the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. That's next. So glad you're along for today's edition of The Ride Home. 101.5 WORD. Life is difficult. There's encouragement ahead from Chuck Swindoll. It's time for you and me to get some rest, for us to exchange our unfruitful and constant activity and to turn our attention to all that Christ continues to do for us. Find strength and comfort from God's Word when you study the Bible with Chuck Swindoll on Insight for Living. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. What are dads made for? asking myself the same question. Author Amanda Glass, creator of the Made For book series, helps kids and dads answer that question. That's what dads are made for. Is more than just a fun book with cute pictures. It's one that creates conversations that build meaningful connections. This Father's Day, help your kids connect with dad as they discover together. Oh, that's what dads are made for. For kids three and up, just $9.99 when you order now at themadeforbooks.com. What does your perfect wedding day look like? I'll bet you've imagined it over and over again. The crisp spring air, the fresh grass giving way beneath you as you walk towards your future. Hi, I'm Jackie Dorman. I'm inviting you to join me in my free Married in 12 Months Challenge, where I'll teach you why now it's your time to find love and the tools to become a bride. Just sign up for my free Married in 12 Months 5-Day Challenge at lovestories.com. The challenge begins June 10th at lovestories.com. Well, by now, you all heard me talk about my pillow and how it's really a great, very comfortable pillow. They won't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want, and they maintain their shape, and they're made in the USA. Now, for a limited time, my pillow is offering the premium my pillows for the lowest price ever. You can get a queen size premium my pillow for twenty nine ninety eight. They are regularly sixty nine ninety eight. It's a forty dollars savings. Kings are only five dollars more. All MyPillow products come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code WORD. You'll also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets, or call 800-391-0954. Use promo code WORD. Or right now, MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com. Is it possible to truly love your enemy? Discover the truth behind the Israeli-Palestinian conflict as never before in the award-winning film Hope in the Holy Land. An enlightening, politically nuanced, and morally sensitive look at both sides with real stories from Jews, Muslims, and Christians who've lived through the years of war in search of peace. Don't miss Hope in the Holy Land. Available now at SalemNow.com. Watch this film and pass it on. Go to SalemNow.com today. Well, I know we're all relieved that there is um, a peace project which is underway, that there have been papers signed by the Israelis and the Palestinians. But, of course, nobody feels really good about it. Nobody feels like, oh, well, you know, that's in our rearview mirror Um, because this is a conflict that just goes on and on. And to say that the resentments 
uh, and the misunderstandings and the miscommunications and everything else are deep seated does not even remotely sum up where we are. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I reached out to Michelle Van Loon to join us today, because Michelle, I think, has a unique perspective on this that I know that I can really benefit from hearing. Michelle is the author of several books, including Born to Wander, Recovering the Value of Our Pilgrim Identity, and her most recent, Becoming Sage, Cultivating Meaning, Purpose, and Spirituality in Midlife. Michelle, I'm so glad you're here. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be with you guys today. Great. Okay. So for our listeners that don't know you, like I know you, um, talk about your uh, background, your ethnicity, um, what your family structure is like, and your connection to Israel. Okay. Well, both of my parents were Jewish. They're, they've passed on now. And I came to faith in Jesus the Messiah when I was a teenager really? at the end of the Jesus movement. Okay. So old hippie here um, or young hippie, depending on how you want to, how you want to slice it. And um, I have navigated for the last four plus decades, um, all kinds of things in the church when it comes to Israel, all the way from people idealizing um, Jewish people to demonizing Jewish people and vice versa when it comes to conversations about Arab Israelis or Palestinians. Um, About 10 years ago, my husband and I, my husband's mom is Jewish as well, even though we met at a Bible study. So you can imagine how well that went over with my parents who always hoped I'd marry a nice nice Jewish Jewish boy. boy, So so close, but um, he is, and we are, and our children are rabbinically Jewish and we raise them with, a a sense of that identity Mm -hmm. as well. Um, My husband is a seminary grad. I've attended seminary as well. And so I understand all the different theological perspectives and it can be easy to be very disconnected from this or um, to treat these issues as if it's kind of a a cage match, you know, a spiritual cage match. But for me, um, it's personal because we're talking about my identity as well. So, um, but I'm all, I also have an identity as a follower of Jesus. And so um, I am picking team Jesus in the cage match. (laughs) Yeah. Well, regardless of what conflict we're in, Michelle, that's always the challenge is to pick Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And we're always pulled in every different direction, whether it's from our family heritage or our Mm -hmm. political party or our friend group or our gender or whatever it is. And it's always, that's the, that's the, the process in sanctification is to be choosing him over and over again. Now, in this instance, it's really it's hard to know where the truth is, Michelle. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm not ethnically Jewish. Um, I tend just to be honest with my listeners. I tend to be sympathetic to, um, the state of Israel, um, for many, many reasons. Um, I don't think the state of Israel is perfect, but certainly in this instance, I feel like if, you know, an organization is lobbing, um, missiles at you, you have a right to defend yourself. Mm -hmm. However, um, I do want to be kind in my approach and generous. So I guess that's the question I have for you, Michelle, you've been to Israel, what, eight, 10 times. It's not Mm -hmm. like you're talking from Sarasota, Florida and never, you know, put your foot over there. So talk about what the environment there is like to kind of give us a window into maybe what the average Israeli experiences on a daily basis. 
It's the most spiritually intense place on earth, as you can imagine. There's there's three different religions that are all kind of aimed at the same piece of real estate. Um, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Um, as part of the um, work that my husband and I did with a discipleship ministry that was based in Jerusalem, we a few years ago, sat in a meeting that contained um, Messianic Jews, Jewish followers of Jesus that were part of congregational leadership in different places across Israel, as well as Palestinian Christians who were born again. And so this group of people came together and idealistic me would have thought Jesus is the center. So this should be an amazing starting place. And and they've got him in common and fellowship can happen. And um, it took about, I don't know, maybe eight minutes, <laughs> maybe nine. What, before it um, fell apart? For, for the tension to grow. They spoke very honestly. There was a great deal of respect. People prayed together, but the the old, old tensions, the old, old wounds um, are very big. And um, peacemaking is is a process. Reconciliation is a process. It's it's not um, so quick and so easy, especially there. Wow. So okay. All right. So, so your uh, own personal investment, I mean, you said that you um, certainly strive to put Jesus first at the Mm -hmm. same time, you're ethnically Jewish and you have a Jewish family and your Mm -hmm. husband has 50% of a Jewish family. Um, So do you go, I guess what I'm saying is when you're there, how much, how pro-Israel are you or how, you know, pro your family are you, or do Mm -hmm. you have to be both? How does that? I'm, I will always have a bias toward Um, protecting my family and wanting that same sense of protection. It's not always easy or safe um, to be a, a Jewish person in, not in Israel. It's not necessarily that easy in Israel either. Um, And the same is true for Arab believers and Arab non-believers, followers of Islam, um, who've experienced violence um, here in the United States and in Europe as well. So um, the the tensions are high. There's been a lot of um, incidences of violence um, toward Jewish people in the United States. And so for... Um, so when you see, let me break in and say, for, for, for you being from Jewish descent, mm-hmm. when you hear instances of anti-Semitism, does that get you, um, does that get you ramped up and, and think, you know, what, what's, what's wrong with, you know, Arabs around the world? What, you know, it, how it, do you respond to that? Well, it, my initial response is that vigilance that comes, the fight or flight, the adrenaline that comes from um, being aware that bad things are happening and bad things can happen. I've been on the receiving end of anti Semitism. I ended up on uh, 
a white supremacist website a few years ago as a target because of something that I'd written about um, Jewish people. So it's a small, small thing, but um, in the bigger context and with all the history, it's definitely something that calls for alertness and watchfulness and that also has to be partnered and paired with the life that Jesus calls us to. Um, all, the, all the things that he says in the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount, about um, being peacemakers yeah. and weeping with the and grieving and all of those things apply as well. And they have to balance out my own um, initial response with the fact that Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, is calling me to, to be different and to live differently. Just before we came on air, I heard the tail end of a commercial for um, Hope in the Holy Land, which was actually filmed um, my one of my friends was a producer on that project. And that's, I, I commend that to your listeners. Okay. Um, it's a, it's pretty balanced and um, offers perspective that um, kind of brings lots of voices in um, from both Jewish and Palestinian um, sides to be able to give the rest of us ears to hear what is going on there. I really appreciate, Michelle, how, you know, fair and generous you're trying to be. I know it's really hard. It's hard to discuss this when you're at home in your living room and be fair and generous, let alone when you're on the radio. Um, anyway, it's Michelle Van Loon. She's the author of several books, including most recently, Becoming Sage, Cultivating Meaning, Purpose, and Spirituality in Midlife. Michelle's a regular contributor Christian to Christianity Today's women's blog, In Touch Magazine. She's also the co-founder of a website for midlife women and men. Um, with only a couple minutes left, Michelle, I guess I want to ask you about prayer you know how do we pray for this for the israeli-palestinian conflict you know i i say the same things all the time and every time i pray about it, it sounds so dumb you know like okay god bring peace well i i, I know it feels very very ethereal yeah. well to take that idea of bringing peace and to realize that god is calling you into the peacemaking process as you intercede and to recognize that there are both the, the temptation to either idealize one side in the conflict or to demonize the side that you are struggling with. Um, your, the theology that must undergird this is the, the theology of the cross yeah. that we are he's, called. He's made the two one, right? Yep. And, and it's, it's impossible and it's what we're called to ask for, these impossible things. And to recognize that we're dealing with a bunch of people that are all made in the image of God and that he loves and that he wants to redeem. And that includes the chaos that's over there, the tension that's over there. I can't wait to go back. Um, I'm, I'm longing to be there every day. Um, the other thing I can encourage your listeners 
to do is to make sure that you're reading widely, not Mm -hmm. just in your lane, not just in your comfort zone, um, not just what um, matches your theology, but but come as a learner, come with some humility um, and to recognize that this isn't just um, end times prophecy or Israel doesn't matter that, you know, there's a lot of different perspectives that kind of strip out the heart of God from the conversation. Yeah, that's really, really good. I appreciate that. And I will take that from you, Michelle. That's Michelle Van Loon. Check out her book, Becoming Sage, Cultivating Meaning, Purpose, and Spirituality in Midlife. Also, I'll just tell you something. I want to reiterate something Michelle said. God is calling you into the peacemaking process as you intercede for Israel and Palestine. I appreciate that. Michelle, thanks for being with us today. Impact Mortgage Corp. TV, a cash call mortgage, NMLS ID 1282-31, equal housing lender, not licensed in all states, including New York. Offer based on loans over $250,000. Call 855-657-9910 for licensing terms and restrictions. What's better than a mortgage interest rate and APR in the twos? How about a no-closing-cost mortgage loan with an interest rate and APR in the twos? That's right. We have no closing cost loans here at Cash Call Mortgage. We pay the title, escrow, and appraisal fees. So if you're looking to save a little cash on your monthly mortgage payment, call Cash Call Mortgage today. Our quotes are always free. If your mortgage rate APR is not in the twos, Cash Call Mortgage could lower your interest rate and save you some cash. What are you waiting for? With low rates and no closing cost options, now is the time to refinance your mortgage. For a free quote to see if you qualify, go to CashCallMortgage.com or call us today. Call 800-931-6651. That's 800-931-6651. 800-931-6651. I have two dogs, Sam and Bailey. Both are golden retrievers. Poor Sam, he was a mess. Always itching. His paws were soaking wet all day from just constant licking. He had bald spots on his back. I just don't like putting shots and steroids into your dog all the time. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Dynavite is nutrition. Probably two weeks after he started Dynavite, I started seeing great improvements. And today, 99% of his issues are non-existent. It's amazing stuff. Since Bailey has been 12 weeks old, he's been a Dynavite dog. And he has zero issues today. He won't eat his food without Dynavite. When I get out the Dynavite, my dogs actually salivate. Like I'm getting them a treat. They drool over it. Dynavite is the best thing you can do for your dog. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. I get my Dynavite from D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Train up a child in the way they should go. Well, you know the rest. It's a calling you take very seriously as a Christian parent. And Trinity Christian School in Forest Hills seeks to honor your commitment by working together with parents to prepare students who are academically sound and spiritually ready to take their place in the world through a classical approach to education that helps build a faith from which they will never depart. Trinity Christian School, one of the top K-12 schools in Allegheny County at trinitychristian.net. I'm Dr. Andrea Russo, a cardiologist. Maybe you're waiting to talk to your doctor right now. But if you're having an irregular heartbeat, heart racing, chest pain, shortness of breath, fatigue, or lightheadedness, don't wait. This could be a serious condition like atrial fibrillation, which can make you about five times more likely to have a stroke. 
If you're having these symptoms, don't wait. Talk to a doctor by phone, online, or in person. Brought to you by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. Actor Kevin Spacey is back, uh, reading from today's New York Times. He's been cast in a film in what is believed to be the first time since accusations of sexual assault against him started surfacing more than three years ago, prompting several court cases and unraveling his on-screen career. So the film he's going to be in is uh, an Italian feature, and the English translation is The Man Who Drew God. Vanessa Redgrave has a role. It'll be directed by her husband, Francis Nero. Um, he's one, Mr. Spacey will play a detective, not a lead in the film. Um, so you might remember that when all these allegations came out back in 2017, there were allegations of unwanted sexual advances that he had made toward people in the 1980s. Um, more accusations followed. Several men sued Kevin Spacey over their accounts of sexual assault and other misconduct. Um, he was swiftly excluded from his political thriller House of Cards, which I think was probably the first Netflix hit. Um, even Netflix, uh, you know, Amazon Prime hit um, the first thing that people started actively binging. Um, he got kicked off of that. Um, he was replaced by Christopher Plummer in the Sony film All the Money in the World um, and played Gore Vidal in a biopic that never saw the light of day. Um, so as I read this today, I started thinking, OK, so. Kevin Spacey was canceled um, because of a lot of very serious allegations. Now, none of them were ever proven in a court of law for several reasons. A couple people wanted to remain anonymous, and the judge determined that if they were going to bring charges, they couldn't remain anonymous, and so they dropped it. Um, one man who accused him has since passed away. So anyway, nothing has ever gone, has ever really been adjudicated in regards to Kevin Spacey. But I don't know. I'm interested in how culture is looking at him, because when, when you're looking, when you're utilizing this secular form, um, this 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 non God, uh, non God involved form of deciding who's in and who's out. Someone like Kevin Spacey can be out because he sounds like he was a sexual predator. Right. I mean, who what, uh, do you want to really go see him in a movie um, at the same time? Because there's no, you know, God in his mercy set up this kind of procedure for us to follow which is that when we sin we repent and we say that we've done wrong and then we tell the people who we've injured i'm sorry and we tell god i'm sorry and we ask for restoration and then we pursue that in our relationships and then that's our way forward as murky and difficult as it can be but what happens when you when god's not in the equation right so you can see how the culture doesn't know how to forgive and they don't really know if they should forgive because he never really said he was sorry like he never admitted what he did so how are we going to forgive him if he didn't admit what he did and then can we restore him to a place in our entertainment world if we think he's a sexual predator i mean i can't imagine that either anyway it just seems like if we follow what god told us to do it's just i don't know it's a lot more straightforward it's five o'clock hour right on WORD-FM Pittsburgh on your smart speaker by saying play the word Pittsburgh and on your phone via the Word FM mobile app. iHeart, tune in and at radio.com. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. 
Democrats warning that if the Supreme Court deals a blow against Roe versus Wade, they'll follow through on their threat to pack the court. Since the high court tipped a majority conservative under former President Trump, Democrats have been speaking openly about adding enough new justices to nullify the conservative edge. Talk of court packing has exploded amid fears the high court may uphold a Mississippi abortion law in a ruling Democrats fear could upend Roe versus Wade. It's far from a done deal. Democrats have yet to muster the full support from their own members that would be needed to pass a law expanding the court. Bob Agner reporting. President Biden sending Secretary of State Blinken to the Mideast to meet with Israeli and Palestinian leaders. The president dispatching Blinken to the region to build on last week's Gaza ceasefire by laying the groundwork for a resumption in long-stalled peace talks. On Wall Street, the Dow had 243 points. The Nasdaq up 233 points. This is SRN News. Over 10 years ago, we realized... So I invested in one of those fancy new exercise bikes. And this thing is just really impressive. And without a doubt, a very special tool to help me get healthier. The problem is three days go by, then four, and I've done nothing. And then it's night five, and I'm sitting at the kitchen table, and I look down at myself, and I can't help but just laugh. Because there I am, wearing the exercise t-shirt that came with the bike, and I'm eating two corn dogs. It's Ryan. And I think we'd all agree, the special tool only matters if we use it to our benefit. At United Faith Mortgage, we believe we have an advantageous tool for you, Word FM listeners. Our mortgage team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions. There's no middleman. And often, this allows us to get you a better rate on your refinance or new home purchase, which can save you monthly and lifelong money. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Thinking about life insurance? Did you know in just a few minutes you can find the best price from up to 10 price competitive companies for free? You can with SelectQuote. For example, George is 39. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $22 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino, and believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323, 800-494-2323, or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials, or price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Robinson Township Christian School celebrates a 40-year legacy of producing college-bound, lifelong learners whose lives are marked by wisdom, knowledge, and a compassion for others. At the airport area's only K-12 classical Christian school, students grow to love learning, think deeply, and communicate effectively from a biblical foundation. Robinson Township Christian School, now enrolling preschool through 12th grade at rtcsonline.org. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. The changes haven't been easy, but there's help. The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We can design a plan that targets potential customers with proven marketing strategies. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers.
Tonight, mostly cloudy and mild with a low 63. Tomorrow, very warm with intervals of clouds and sunshine. A passing morning shower followed by a thunderstorm and spots in the afternoon with a high of 87. Tomorrow night, some clouds, warm with a low 66. And Wednesday, a thunderstorm in the area with a high 83. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Welcome in. Kathy Evans with you. It's a Monday afternoon. It is hot and steamy here in Western Pennsylvania. So glad that you are along for the five o'clock hour. We had a really good four o'clock hour. We talked about national and international news with Greg Clugston, SRN News White House correspondent. We talked about the Israeli and Palestinian peace conflict or no, can you say I don't think it's the peace conflict. I think that seems like an oxymoron. Uh, the uh, Israeli-Palestinian conflict and uh, the current peace agreement that they have with Michelle Van Loon and a lots of other stuff sprinkled in there. If you missed any of that, you can always go to wherever you get your podcast because that's where you can also get ours. I think we're on 40 plus different platforms. So if you look for the ride home with John and Kathy, I bet you will be sure to find it. John Hall taking another day off. We eagerly anticipate his return. But until then, we have a lot coming up in our five o'clock hour. And so before we get to any of it, I want to go over a really interesting segment they did on 60 Minutes last night on transgenderism and healthcare. Boy, um, the segment was done by Leslie Stahl. Um, I thought she did a great job with it, actually. And, you know, I went into it with trepidation. Um, but the, the segment started with several physicians um, who, were, who were speaking about transgenderism and healthcare. One of the physicians is someone who has transitioned himself. Um, and so that was, you know, kind of an interesting take. Another one was a woman who's the head of the American Psychiatric Association. Um, but then this is where the piece got interesting. They started talking to people who had transitioned and had changed their mind. Okay. These were all young people. Um, like few other outlets, I felt like Leslie Stahl and her team actually showed last night on 60 Minutes that there are two sides of the story. So let me just take um, a little ancillary path here and tell you that I have transgenderism in my own family. And so this is an issue that I have a particular heart for. You know, I see it in a different way. When you know somebody, it becomes not an issue, it becomes like a real thing that affects real people. And the data tells us that gender dysphoria is a real thing. I'm not interested in, in defaming or demeaning anyone who lives with it. Um, and I'm a serious, ro uh, robust defender of therapeutic counseling. And I advocate for continued open conversation with any person you know, whether it's a child or an adult or whoever who's confused about who they are, because at some point we're all confused about who we are. Um, and so we should offer one another a lot of compassion in that regard. But I want to say that in the rush to treat the gender dysphoric with respect and care, I feel like Western society has fallen out the other side of the boat. And now we can't even tolerate even the simplest challenge to how society or the medical community or a family might respond. It's either uh, support gender transition in every single circumstance, no questions asked, or be labeled a hater, right? I mean, ask Ryan Anderson. He wrote a book on transgenderism. He had it pulled by Amazon or Abigail Schreier, who wrote a book on what she calls the transgender craze seducing our daughters. 
ask her what her life has been like since she released her book. I mean, Abigail's been on our show. She's told us herself, um, and I'll speak for her just a little bit and tell you that Abigail's been stalked like a criminal by people who are intent on squashing any reasonable question to their premise that any child should receive hormone treatment or surgery with nothing more than a statement that they want it. According to Abigail's research, which she shared with us, well, you can read in her book, um, and her research deserves discussion, even if you don't agree with her, um, with the with the conclusions that she draws, her research deserves discussion that this trend most heavily impacts young women who are susceptible to body image issues. They're greatly impacted by the judgments of other girls, and they spend a lot of time on social media. Um, so you know, when I look at what's happened in the public sphere, as far as discussion about it, it makes me despair because I think that like every other issue, we need to find a way to talk about this. We need to find a way to talk about gender dysphoria, transgenderism, and transitioning in a way that doesn't demonize people who are looking at it in a different way. Now, the repercussions of a narrow view of this issue are way too serious for us to simply stop talking for fear that the thought police are going to deem us haters. We're all supposed to care about kids, right? So if you care about kids and you think that there are kids that you know who are being sucked into something that they don't understand and are receiving hormone therapy or surgery that they're not ready for, that they don't even understand, then you should say something. You should say something gentle. You should say something kind, but you should say something. Um, the 60 Minutes piece really made me think about a lot of things. And they interviewed several young people who looked like they were maybe in their early 20s. And um, in, in both instances, these young people at the ages of maybe 15, 14, had gone to a physician and said, I feel like I'm gender dysphoric. And the physician said, really? And they said, yeah. And the doctor said, okay, what do you want to do? And they said, okay, I want to start hormone therapy. And the doctor said, okay. I mean, how do you do that after asking somebody two questions? I mean, this is a, who does that with a 14 year old about anything? If a 14 year old says they want to cross the street, don't you say, well, let's just sit there and talk about it because I know you're crazy right now. I mean, every 14 year old is kind of crazy. You remember what you were like when you were 14, right? Anyway, these two individuals are talking about their story. Now, in both cases, they ended up not just having hormonal um, therapy, but they ended up having major surgery. And now they're in their early 20s and they are in the depths of clinical depression because they can't believe how they have ruined themselves. And they feel like they their naivete and their childlikeness was taken advantage of by medical professionals who were too aligned with some sort of, I don't know what, some sort of like fear that the physician him, himself or herself would be a hater or some sort of allegiance to a progressive worldview. I don't know what it is, but seeing these two people talk about what their life is like should give every one of us pause, should say, wait, what are we allowing to happen? How, how have we allowed this conversation to get so out of control that children, children are the ones paying the price? So let me just say this. First of all, watch the 60 Minutes piece and see what you think. Um, but a particular word here for Christians, I think we're obligated, and I think it should be our mission, our joy to welcome every person into our worshiping communities. Now, listen, that includes gossipers. It includes addicts, the sexually immoral. It includes thieves, the arrogant, the greedy, and I'm using Jesus' words here. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So when you go to church, you shouldn't be expecting to go to church with the good people. 
right? We should be looking to go to church with people who need a savior. But then when we do welcome one another into worshiping communities, we have to teach and preach the truths of Jesus that call each one of us to holiness. And it's a long battle. It's a long, hard, uncomfortable process. And it has to include open conversation about what we've done. And we have to be able to extend forgiveness to people and restoration, but it has to be at its heart full of both grace and truth as Jesus, our Lord was. And I know for sure, nothing else will work. It's the ride home. We have a lot more ahead on today's program. So stay with us. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about how we got to the Equality Act. Matthew Lee Anderson next. It's Monday. It's the ride home. WORD. I'm Kenny Woods from Word FM, along with John Hall and Kathy Emmons from The Ride Home. We are partnering with Bible League International on Open the Floodgates, Bibles for Africa. In many parts of countries like Kenya, Ghana, Tanzania, and Mozambique, as many as 9 out of 10 Christians are denied God's Word by corrupt governments, poverty, and remoteness. That's exactly why we're partnering with Bible League International to send Bibles to 2,800 new believers in Africa. $5 sends a Bible, $50 sends 10, $500 sends 100. Call 800-YES-WORD to send Bibles today or go to wordfm.com slash Bibles to give online. What are dads made for? Hmm, I've been asking myself the same question. Author Amanda Glass, creator of the Made For book series, helps kids and dads answer that question. That's what dads are made for is more than just a fun book with cute pictures. It's one that creates conversations that build meaningful connections. This Father's Day, help your kids connect with dad as they discover together... Oh, that's what dads are made for. For kids three and up, just $9.99 when you order now at themadeforbooks.com. Well, by now, you all heard me talk about my pillow and how it's really a great, very comfortable pillow. They won't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want, and they maintain their shape, and they're made in the USA. Now, for a limited time, MyPillow is offering the premium MyPillows for the lowest price ever. You can get a queen-size premium MyPillow for $29.98. They are regularly $69.98. It's a $40 savings. Kings are only $5 more. All MyPillow products come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code WORD. You'll also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets, or call 800-391-0954. Use promo code WORD. Or right now, MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com. At Eden Christian Academy, hope is rising. Hope that is secure in God, that builds faith, and inspires a love that can't be stopped. Eden is where parents find hope in a true educational partner, where students see faith woven into every subject, and where teachers model the love of Christ to every child from pre-K through 12th grade. Schedule a personal tour at any of their three North Hills campuses and witness the hope, faith, and love that Eden can offer your child at EdenChristianAcademy.org. I'm Pastor Tom Hall. Did you know that First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, 326th Avenue, is the oldest anything in Pittsburgh? Older than any newspaper, school, or business. Join us Sundays in person at 1045 a.m. Hear the timeless good news of Jesus Christ. We'll be social distancing and keeping everyone safe, so let us know you're coming at fpcp.org.
be in favor of the Equality Act, right? I mean, we, we want everybody to be equal. That sounds good. Well, as in everything, the label doesn't necessarily sum up the whole thing. Um, and things are complicated, especially in today's America, and especially when everybody's just shouting all the time. It's hard to even like communicate about nuances um, with something especially as important as equality. Anyway, very happy to have Matthew Lee Anderson back on the program. He's assistant research professor of ethics and theology at Baylor University, and he wrote a really good piece called How We Got to the Equality Act for Christianity Today. Matthew Lee Anderson, I'm so glad you're here. Kathy, it's good to be back. I love talking well, to you. Yeah, happy to have you back. It must be, so it's about 90 degrees in Pittsburgh today. It must be like 106 in Texas. Uh, well, we've had a state of rain, and so we have a very balmy, about 85 right now, and rain what? coming down. It's, it's beautiful. I love it. Wow. Okay, eat it up, because I'm dying here in my spare room without <laughs> air conditioning. I'll tell you right now, I am dying. Anyway, okay, so... Um, so we've watched a couple uh, spasms happen in regard to uh, large-scale Christian organizations, and they're dealing with issues related to sexuality recently. So we, you highlighted in 2014, I remember the, the big world vision flap. I remember you know, they announced that they were going to hire Christians in same-sex relationships. They weren't necessarily going to endorse it but they were going to still be open to hiring them. And then there was a huge outcry, and they went back and said, okay, you know what? We were wrong. Forget it. <laughs> We, we need our donations. We're not going to step into this. But then just, what, six months ago, Bethany Christian Services announced that they were going to be opening up adoption to same-sex couples. Now, that seemed to have, I don't know if it was because there were so many other issues like COVID and like racial unrest and like, you know, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. I don't know what it was, but there there was less discussion or maybe culture is in a different place now with the Bethany Christian services discussion. Um, Matt, talk about those two and kind of what that points us to when we get to today's equality act. Yeah. I think that your observation about the difference between them is right on. And I think, you know, your suggestions or hypotheses about what the differences are also largely correct. I mean, I take it that Bethany Christian services is actually a more consequential decision. If you want to think about how a Christian sexual ethic intersects, intersects with the world, right? Hiring uh, persons who are gay uh, or experience same-sex attractions is one level, but then placing children in homes of same-sex couples is another level, right? There's a, there's a different type of departure from what I would describe as an orthodox Christian position on marriage and sexuality that you take when, when you take that step. And so I think the Bethany Christian Services uh, decision is is really significant, but it generated very little conversation. And I think your final suggestion that culture is just in a different place is probably the right one. You know, if we think back to World Vision, that was happened in the decision pre Obergefell versus Hodges, before right. gay oh, marriage yeah. Yeah, was yeah. the law of the land, and so it still had this sense of being contested. Now that gay marriage is the law of the land, I think many people, including Christians, have largely made their peace with it, at least politically. And that changes the nature of the outrage and that we feel at these sorts of decisions, even by uh, Christian organizations. So I do think that the culture, including inside of the church, has shifted on these issues uh, over the last six, eight years. So that brings us, uh, Matt, to the Equality Act. So it was introduced this year, uh, passed the House, unlikely to pass the Senate, though we don't know for sure. Um, but it, it certainly does seem to have a lot of implications um, 
for Christians in all different spheres of American life. Tell us about the Equality Act and kind of, I don't know what this means that this is this is the latest hurdle. Yeah, so the Equality Act is a bill that is before Congress that essentially wants to expand non-discrimination protections for LGBT individuals, which sounds fine on one level, right? No one wants to be pro-discrimination. That's just not the sort of terminology that anyone's going to be excited to embrace. But the problem is the Equality Act effectively leaves no room for anything like uh, religious dissent. Uh, they, they have no religious liberty carve-outs, as it were. It's effectively um, bringing non-discrimination protections into the law in a way that would, for instance, really con- constrain what uh, religious business owners could do, what sort of protections they could claim, at least within the force of the law. Now, the courts might still decide on behalf of religious plaintiffs, right? On the behalf of people who tried to protect their religious liberties within sure. the scope of the Equality Act. But if you don't want to leave these decisions to the courts, from my point of view, right? You, we don't want it to be the case where the courts are always having to step in on the side of religious liberty and that we've just sort of legislatively made it really hard for them to uh, protect religious liberty, that it's only we only have the First Amendment as a backstop. So I think that from that standpoint, the Equality Act is actually really dangerous and really bad. Um, it's, it's not a bill that's conducive to civic harmony and trust and right. social stability and peace. It's really a punitive bill towards you know, those with uh, religious views that would dissent to same-sex unions, like Christians, like those many who are Jewish or Islamic and otherwise. Sure, and it certainly not does not in any way <laughs> encourage a free, open exchange of ideas about these issues. No, not at all. Not at all. Which, you know, that's, there's <laughs> encouraging a free and open exchange of ideas about some of these issues is not within the, the wheelhouse of many on the left these days. Because right. the free and open exchange of ideas is itself damaging, is being regarded as damaging to those who are LGBT. Um, and so... You know, there is a, a chilling effect that these, this sorts of legislation yeah. has. That's absolutely true, I think. Right. But one thing you've highlighted in your, well, you've highlighted several things that I was really, really excited to read because I feel the same way, um, is that I, we have a tendency on, you know, I hate to say on our side, because I, you know, that even that terminology is so unhelpful, but um, for a lot of Christians who engage in public discourse, we have over the last, what, four or five decades, certainly been portraying ourselves as some kind of authorities on uh, purity and, you know, sexual fidelity. And I don't know how many wake up calls we need to get about famous people who said that they also were part of our tribe and, you know, completely, you know, did everything that was against the things that we were spouting for the last 40 or 50 years. So, so I think we've, we've lost a lot of the uh, capital we could have had in this conversation. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you cannot have authority genuinely if you don't have the character to back it up, right? This is a classical principle of rhetoric uh, and of argument. You have to be able to, uh, embody the principles that you defend. And if your community doesn't do that, then it cannot speak with authority. The reason why Jesus speaks with authority is because he has the holiness and the integrity to be able to do that. And I think if you look at sort of evangelical engagement on some of these issues, 
we've had very spectacular um, uh, hypocrisy within our ranks at very high levels among people who opposed LGBT rights. And that has really undermined our credibility in ways that have been extremely damaging. At the same time, you know, sorry, go ahead. No, I want you to go ahead. Uh, well, well, you know. So at the same time, I, we've while we've pronounced with a very in a very authoritative tone on these matters to a society around us, we've also managed to portray ourselves as victims, right? Victims of a very hostile, secular, progressive left. Now, there's an aspect of that that's true. I think that that the secular, largely secular, progressive left is very aggressive and is taking a very punitive stance towards conservative Christians. The question is that I have is why? Where did they come from? How did they get so punitive? Why are they so mad at us? And I think if you start asking those questions, then you start and you start hearing some of their stories and some of the accounts that they have about how we treated them, it's harder for us to frame ourselves exclusively at victims. You start to realize like, no, we had we had some responsibility here. We actually helped make things the way that they are. And that's itself a problem. And we have to take that on board if we're going to understand our position in the world now and how we move forward. That's Matthew Lee Anderson, Assistant Research Professor of Ethics and Theology at Baylor University. Okay, so the way you've set it up, Matthew, it's just one of those moments where you have to know that any type of self-examination, whether it's our individual selves or the tribe we're a part of, is going to be painful. It's going to be ugly. We're going to get really defensive and we're going to say, yeah, but they're worse. You know, so we're just going to have to try to, you know, stamp that down for a couple of minutes and hear the argument that you're trying to make. Okay, so take us back. Um, It's 1977. Anita Bryant, um, a name a lot of us haven't thought of in a long time. Um, Start there and kind of give us a thread to where we are now. Yeah, it's weird to start there, but I think we have to. Right. The culture war comes from. Miami, Florida in 1977. It's the first place, actually, where Jerry Falwell, the, the famous member of the religious right, gets politicized. He goes to Florida to join Anita Bryant. And what happens in Florida is basically Anita Bryant launches a, a national campaign to restrict non-discrimination protections. And the way in which she does it is she basically says they're coming for our children, right? That those who are gay are going to uh, be a threat to children. And so her, the name of her organization is, you know, Save Our Children. It's, it's very, it positions LGBT people as a real threat. And what ends up happening is LGBT people hear this, internalize the threat, and basically themselves start weaponizing. They start acting in ways that are more militaristic than they had been previously. There's an astonishing quote in the essay from Billy Graham, actually, about Anita Bryant. Who, you know, Billy Graham has asked about her, and he says, well, you know, she seems very courageous. I admire her. I'm just worried that this is going to embolden LGBT people to fight in response. This is effectively his concern. And I, I read that and thought... So she might have good intentions, but this might not work. This might not be the right might- approach. It might not be the right approach. It might really backfire. And are we so sure that if we fight in this particular way that we're going to win? And Billy Graham raises this concern around 1978 or so. And, you know, it's hard to hear that, what, 40-ish years on and think, well, he was kind of right. That's really what happens. You know, the LGBT movement galvanized in opposition to the type of threat that they saw in Anita Bryant. And they 
were extremely energized as a response, and they became really hostile. And so our, in certain ways, our hostile rhetoric bred hostile rhetoric on their side. And we've been just going back and forth like that for a good 50 years now. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, similar to, to, um, to white Americans having to deal with black Americans on the issue of slavery, there's no going back. Right. So we can't go back right. and undo it. But I think there is great value in going back and saying, OK, what happened? Let's see how this panned out, which is what your article does. And maybe that'll give us a different perspective on how to move forward. So I guess that, you know, there's not enough time in our segment to, to detail all of the um, kind of the roadmap that you go into in this article. But I want to encourage our listeners to check it out because I do think it's worthwhile to just kind of take a historical I don't know, look in the rearview mirror and say, okay, so if that's what happened, then how does that maybe change how we move forward? And how do you think about that, Matthew? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, we look at history to see what roads we did not take and yeah. to learn from those decisions to see if there's something in them that we could apply today. Uh, and from my standpoint, Telling that history and telling that history fully, honestly, candidly, in an unvarnished way, like gives us the credibility and integrity now to be able to hold to our convictions on marriage and sexuality with yeah. confidence, right? Without sort of feeling like, oh, we've got to just, you know, downplay our past. It's like, no, we were really bad. Like, we did bad things. We did not conduct ourselves always very well in this culture war. At the same time, like, I'm going to be totally honest about that. I don't think that that invalidates my convictions. And I think I can say that with integrity because I've stared that history in the face. I've not turned away from it. And so I think that I'm able to say, but marriage is really between a man and a woman, guys. And I've got scripture and these sort of sources from elsewhere uh, that are non-historical that allow me to say that with deep convictions. Yeah. And what you're advocating is something that I talked about before you came on the air, Matthew, which is that if we don't fall, especially, I mean, it goes without saying Christians should be doing this, but for if any person in any conflict, if we don't follow the scriptural, you know, uh, prescription on confessing sin, you know, saying what we've done out loud and actually asking forgiveness receiving it and then pursuing restoration and, you know, receiving forgiveness in a real way and having that cause us to be different. There will never be a roadmap forward. It's just, it's not, you know, Jesus told us to do it that way because that's the only way that really works. Amen. And if you look at, I mean, judgment begins with the house of, uh, of God, right? This is Peter's right. line. Uh, yep. I think if you look at the history of how we got here, you have to ask this, how was it the case that Christians in America had such cultural power, right? There was effectively a soft establishment of Protestantism, you know, from uh, the mid-1800s or so to 1980, right? We had an enormous amount of power. Evangelical Protestants managed to get alcohol, pro the sale of alcohol, prohibited in America. That was a thing right. that happened. We had that much power, and if we have that much power, what did we do with it, and how did we wield it well? How did we wield it badly? And if we, if we ask that sort of question, we can be really candid about our failings, and that candor allows us to repair and renew our own movement and witness in a way that I think allows us to move forward. That's really good. 
again, it's not the easy path, but I do think it's the only path that will be actually effective. That's Matthew Lee Anderson. Um, Matthew is Assistant Research Professor of Ethics and Theology at Baylor University, but the article we're talking about is called How We Got to the Equality Act. The LGBT movement was shaped by the animosity of populist evangelical rhetoric and tactics in Christianity today. Matt, thank you for being here today discussing such an important thing. Appreciate it. Of course. Thanks, Gabby. We'll be back. Monday edition. Ride home. We're talking travel next. Well, shockingly, and with great celebration and fanfare, another year in college has come to a close. Grove City College has weathered the storm. And unlike a lot of colleges, Grove City was committed to meeting and teaching in person. Now, of course, in this COVID era, nothing was perfect. And there were illnesses and incidences. And it was a bumpy ride, but the thousands and thousands of students at Grove City College, they made it through. So with some foresight and some wisdom, Grove City continues to meet in person. And Kath and I had students on campus at Grove City. We're proud to say our kids are Grovers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, for any parent of any college student or high school student in particular, I mean, anybody, parent of any age child over the last year and a half, Boy, it has been a real challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I can speak as a parent, as John said, of, of a Grove City student. And I just think, you know, when when things are as topsy-turvy as they have been and there's so much uncertainty, it is really a comfort to see that there's an organization that is so well organized, so well run. And the decisions they're making, they're doing their best that they would be godly ones. And so as a parent, all I can say is, It's been a great ride in spite of COVID, and the semester is almost over. GCC.edu online. Turkey and stuffing, real mashed potatoes, sliced top round, Aunt Emma's broccoli casserole, chicken and gravy over buttermilk biscuits. Am I making you hungry yet? Hi, it's me, Marsha, from the Springhouse. Do you have a special event coming up in your life? A shower, a wedding, graduation party, company party, anniversary event, or any occasion where you'd love to serve all-natural, farm-fresh foods? Then it's time to give the Springhouse Catering Department a call at 724-228-3339. From your first conversation with Dawn, who will help you create a menu that's unique to you, to the beautiful, bounteous setup and display that my sister Jill and her crew create, you will be delighted. After every catering event, Jill tells our cooks, I wish I could take you with me so you could hear all the wonderful comments guests give us. Give us a call at 724-228-3339 or check out our extensive menu at springhousemarket.com for farm fresh catering from the Springhouse. Buckling up is the single most effective thing you can do to protect yourself and your loved ones in a crash. Wear your seatbelt every trip, every time. Drive smart and buckle up. Be safe, Pete. Learn more at pendot.gov slash safety. Paid for with Pennsylvania taxpayer dollars. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, tune in, and on radio.com. In the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Tonight, mostly cloudy and mild with a low 63. Tomorrow, very warm with intervals of clouds and sunshine. 
A passing morning shower followed by a thunderstorm in spots in the afternoon with a high of 87. Tomorrow night, some clouds, warm with a low 66. And Wednesday, a thunderstorm in the area with a high 83. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. Well, if you're like me, you're thinking, okay, so maybe, maybe COVID might be receding into the background. And so therefore, I got to go somewhere. I have to get out of where I am and take a trip, especially when you see news that the European Union announced last week that it will open its borders to fully vaccinated Americans and other international travelers. EU officials said that the new protocol will likely take effect sometime within the next week or two, which makes me think I want to get the heck back to Europe as fast as I can. But there are a lot of other things to consider. And so I turned to this article in the Wall Street Journal to talk about some of the things to think about as we kind of re-enter the travel market. Um, The first thing is that uh, this is an article by Scott McCartney. A close look at the stats shows a big vaccine-fueled domestic travel surge. He says the U.S. travel surge isn't coming. It's here. So just keep that in mind. There are some bright spots as well as some lingering areas of concern when it comes to how the economic recovery is expressing itself through travel. So listen, take your pick. TSA airport screenings in the first half of May have been down 35% compared to the number of people who were at these airports in 2019 prior to COVID. But they're up 715% from this time last year, right? So depending on if your glass is half full or half empty, right, that's how you're going to look at those numbers. Um, TSA has screened more than 24 million travelers just so far this month, compared with 3 million in the same period last year. So that's solid evidence of a solid recovery. But of course, it's still not the 38 million of 2019. So we're not back there yet. Um, $408. That's the average round trip ticket sold through early May for summer travel this year. $408. Now that's only $18 cheaper than the average round trip ticket for 2019. So it looks like, you know, we're not getting great bargains when it comes to, to airline travel right now, based on where things were before COVID. So don't get too excited that you're, you know, you're going to take your, you know, a dream trip to Hawaii and it's going to be cheap because it's probably not. Um, They also say here in the wall street journal that savings are rapidly disappearing Um, Seats to popular destinations are filling up quickly. Um, Travel for summer is rapidly recovering to 2019 levels, especially to destinations in the south, in the Rocky Mountain states, and as I said, vacation capital of Hawaii. Destinations with more business travel, such as mid-Atlantic states and west coast, lag behind. Now, this is interesting. Here, this figure, $326,500. That's the total amount of fines that the FAA has proposed for 18 passengers for disruptive behavior on airplanes. Can I tell you about this? In two-thirds of the cases that were brought against passengers, masks were specifically mentioned as a trigger for arguments between passengers and crew, and unsurprisingly, alcohol was a factor in most of these issues, okay? But if you get into a fistfight on an airplane, and I'm telling you right now, don't do it, because... Your fine will be at minimum $18,000. Okay, it's not like getting a speeding ticket. $18,000. The largest single proposed fine was $52,500 against a Delta passenger recently who the FAA alleges tried to open the cockpit door 
on a flight from Honolulu to Seattle. The passenger hit a flight attendant twice in the face, once after escaping plastic handcuffs. I'm sorry to laugh, but you got to be kidding me. Um, 21%. That's the average of planes, the percentage of planes in storage at American, United, Delta, and Southwest combined as of May 14th. One year ago, 56% of the planes at the four largest U.S. carriers were in storage. So we're, so half of the, of the planes that were in storage last year at this time are in storage now. So slowly we're working our way back. Um, hotel occupancy is coming back up. Um, domestic travel is really rebounding, but international travel remains deeply depressed, except for beach destinations in Mexico and the Caribbean. The number of people arriving in the U.S. by air still down 76% compared with 2019 levels. So my idea of going to Europe actually sounds like a pretty good gig right now. It seems like I might be able to get something that's relatively cheap. The only thing I have to do is convince my family to go with me and, you know, all of my coworkers here to tell me it's a good idea. I don't know. We'll see if you're travel, if you're, tra- what'd you say? No vacations this year. Oh, great. That was great. That was Gary saying no vacations, but I have this great idea. And I read this great article in the wall street journal, Gary. That's all I need to know. Anyway, whatever your travel plans are, I sure hope you get to go somewhere. I mean, even, even if you drive somewhere that you weren't at in 2019, maybe stop and see family or see a beautiful body of water, a beautiful mountain. I mean, we all deserve something after living through the COVID-19 area. So Go see something beautiful. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking about, hold on while I pull it out, three myths Americans believe about abortion. We think we're good on that issue? I wonder if we are. We'll talk about it next. Dr. Charlie Camosi next, Fordham University and the ride home. 101.5 WORD. Dr. Charles Stanley. There is not a single verse in the Bible that says, when you die, that's the end of you. Life concludes for you. Not a single verse can you ever scrape up anywhere to say, well, once you die, it's all over. No, once you're born, you will live forever somewhere. Hear the series, Eternal Life. This week on In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. Tomorrow morning at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. I have a traumatizing childhood memory of an Easter egg hunt. The big hunt was a big deal in our family. And I have this memory of running and excitedly reaching for eggs, only to have my big brother and sister sweep in and steal them at the last second. It's Ryan, and unfortunately, this is a traumatizing reality our Faith and Family Mortgage Team is seeing from families across the country. Families are finding their dream home, only to have it pulled away by another hunter at the last second. At United Faith Mortgage, we unfortunately cannot scare off the other hunters, but we can very quickly get you pre-approved and make it look as good as possible to sellers. And then, once you do grab that Easter egg... See our story and read how our direct lender advantage can often save your family monthly and lifelong money at unitedfaithmortgage.com. We are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Hi, I'm Brooke Burke, and I have a question for you. Do you ever consider just how important your feet are? They're quite literally the foundation of your body. And if you don't take care of them, you're asking for problems. That's why I wear Skechers' new ArchFit shoes. Skechers teamed up with podiatrists to make a shoe that provides total foot and arch support. 
They used 20 years of data to design a podiatrist-certified insole that distributes support across the arch, no matter what foot type you have. Plus, Skechers ArchFit provides extreme comfort. In fact, these just might be the most comfortable Skechers I've ever worn. Whether I'm walking or standing, they feel like a dream. Just try them on and you'll feel the instant difference. So if foot care is as important to you as it is to me, check out Skechers ArchFit. They're podiatrist certified, they're comfortable, and they look great. Because when it comes to preserving my body, I know Skechers has my back and my feet. Get the support you need with Skechers' new ArchFit at a Skechers store near you, Skechers.com, or wherever stylish shoes are sold. Robinson Township Christian School celebrates a 40-year legacy of producing college-bound, lifelong learners whose lives are marked by wisdom, knowledge, and a compassion for others. At the airport area's only K-12 classical Christian school, students grow to love learning, think deeply, and communicate effectively from a biblical foundation. Robinson Township Christian School, now enrolling preschool through 12th grade at rtcsonline.org. been involved in the abortion movement for a long time. Uh, I think I started, uh, well, I, I don't think, I know that it started for me when I was a sophomore in college. And um, I was in a public speaking class and was challenged by my professor to research a topic that was contentious that I didn't know anything about. And if I researched it, I had to come to a perspective on it and then present three speeches for, throughout the length of the semester that advocated for this particular newfound view that I had, which was a really excellent um, challenge for me. Okay. Um, so anyway, I did that and not knowing anything about abortion and then taking a semester to investigate it. Um, and at that point, you know, there was no internet. I was going up and spending time in the med school library at Scaife Hall at the University of Pittsburgh Med School. And um, I don't know, it was easy for me, actually. It re just really didn't take that much convincing because looking at, you know, images of, of prenatal development and, you know, reading the Roe versus Wade statute at the time, Doe versus Bolton, but also, you know, taking into account that, you know, medical science was going to be changing that viability marker as we progressed. And so that was just an absolutely silly way of looking at whether a uh, preborn child was going to live or die. Well, there are a lot of things to take into account when you say that you're pro-life. And I've always appreciated Charlie Camosi because he's enlarged my view of what those things are and happy to have him with us today. Dr. Charlie Camosi is professor of theological and social ethics at Fordham University, the author of five books, including most recently, Resisting Throwaway Culture, How a Consistent Life Ethic Can Unite a Fractured People. Charlie, welcome back. Hi, Kathy. Good to talk to you. Yeah, always good to talk to you, too. Okay, so you've written an article in America Magazine about three myths that um, that Americans believe about abortion. So um, are you talking to people who are pro-life, pro-choice, or both? Both, and those who kind of don't know uh, what they are, actually. And that's actually one of the first myths that I get into is, we kind of imagine that there's this life choice binary and that Americans are generally pro-choice. That's what our laws are. But actually, it's way more complicated than that. It totally depends on how you ask the question and what gestational age you're talking about, the reason for the abortion. For instance, about 60, probably closer to 70 percent of U.S. Americans 
want abortion banned past 12 weeks gestation. And a lot of those people identify as pro-choice, right? If you had to ask them, they'd say they're pro-choice. Some identify as pro-life. So those, that life choice binary really doesn't capture the pretty complex views Americans have, but even that complex view isn't in line with what our current abortion law is, which is well past 12 weeks. Okay, Charlie, that's a shocking number. That percentage is shockingly high. Yeah, it is because in part because our media landscape doesn't really put that out there very often, but it's out there in anybody that wants to look at the numbers, Gallup has been asking this question. And again, it depends how you ask the question. So one reason the myth persists is because a lot of polling organizations ask, do you support Roe versus Wade, right? And right. there, 70% of people say, yes, I do support Roe versus Wade. But they don't know but what's in Roe versus Wade. They don't know what's in Roe versus Wade. Right. We don't know quite what they mean when they say yes, but probably it's basically meaning I don't want abortion to be totally illegal. Or something like that. Um, right. And that viability again, word, that viability word that I mentioned is something that a lot of people don't even recognize as being something really important in the decision that is constantly changing. Right. And and so that's a very important point that viability when a baby can live outside her mother's body has shifted many, many weeks since the 70s, obviously. And actually, we're on the verge, probably within the next 10 to 15 years, we're going to have an artificial placenta, which will push viability down to week seven or eight gestation. So wow. it's just an incoherent, it's just an incoherent threshold. But but again, people don't know what Roe versus Wade did. And they know even less that Roe versus Wade has actually been replaced by a 1992 case called Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which totally actually one reason why viability doesn't really matter that much, at least in my view, is because Casey took out threw out most of the framework of Roe and replaced mm -hmm. it with, with something called an undue burden framework. So we're not talking really about privacy. We're not really talking about viability. What we're actually talking about is does a particular law, in this case, the one that's going before the court, a 15-week uh, limit in, in Mississippi, um, offer what's called an undue burden to a woman's right to an abortion? That's really what the framework is about now. Right. So the undue burden is is the foundation of most of the argument that we hear in culture, is that it's not fair for you to tell me what I have to do with my body. That's right. Um, but what I've argued, um, and in a book called Beyond the Abortion Wars, which you've had me on to talk about before, is we really can't talk about an undue burden without coming to conclusions about two things. One, is this a baby or not? <laughs> right? If it's a baby, then what kind of burden is undue looks very differently than if it's not a baby, obviously, right? So if there's a person inside of you, the kind of law that would protect a person has a different level of burden than if it's not a person, just a, a parasite or a, or, a, or or something like that, which we, we often hear is typically derided in the pro-life movement, right? It's just a parasite right, or right, something right. like that. Um, but then there's another part of this, too, which I think is equally important. You and I have talked about our mutual pro-life feminism, and this is really key in my view. If a particular state like Mississippi or Pennsylvania or New York or New Jersey or California has laws which support women, right, or don't support women, then the burden of such laws are that much more dramatic or not, depending on what kind of laws there are. So if you have paid family leave, for instance, or if you have really, a, you know, um, a kind of social safety net that supports women in vulnerable situations, 
then the burden is less on women if you deny them abortion at 15 weeks. But if you don't have that support, right? If you, if 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 a person in a vulnerable situation chooses does not is not able to access abortion at 15 weeks and beyond, then that law is far more burdensome on that. So I think we actually have a responsibility within this framework. I think we have a responsibility as Christians and the gospel to support women in vulnerable situations. But even right. if if it, on its own merits in the framework of undue burden, if we say, hey look, we support women in these circumstances, then the burden is far less and they could be found constitutional. Okay. Charlie, listen, I need to hold you over. We're right up against a break. I want to make sure we get a couple more things in before we end today's show. So we're going to hold him aside. It's Charlie Camosi. I want to get to just a couple things about the abortion fight before we leave today's program. So stay with us. We'll be right back on the Monday edition of The Ride. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and I want to give you an intimate look into the lives of 200 Christians that can benefit from your generosity right now. I met Brock, 12 years of age, in Tanzania, Africa. He is an albino, and if you suffer with albinism, you lack pigmentation in your skin, hair, and eyes. And in this part of the world where witchcraft is so prominent, someone like Brock is looked at as an evil spirit to be destroyed. Here's what happened to him on the way to school one day with a machete. Two witch doctors uh, cut off his left arm, the fingers on his right hand. They took his teeth. They took his tongue. I like to say they could not take his joy because he's a born-again believer. Even though the father left the home many years ago, the mother endeavored to raise him to know and love Jesus. And together, they've seen about 200 people come to Christ, including two former witch doctors who at one time sought to harm this boy. We are in the final days of our campaign to send 5,000 Bibles to Africa at $5 a Bible. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or give at wordfm.com, and God bless you for caring. I'm a North Hills girl, and I'm proud to serve that community that I've grown up with. Stock Family Dentistry's Dr. Megan Stock. Nobody in my family was a dentist. It was kind of this innate thing planted in my heart since about first grade. And so God leading me down this path, it's been incredible to not only see my passion come to life, but to be able to do it at home is incredible. Exceptional dentistry, compassionate care. Stock Family Dentistry. Perry Highway in Wexford. Visit StockFamilyDentistry.com. Year after year, it's the same routine. Drop off the taxes, pick up the taxes, leave a check. Maybe it's time to work with a business CPA who is less transactional and more relational. For Mike Radich and the team at MGR CPA and Consultants, it's about more than crunching the numbers. It's about getting the advice you need for complex tax issues and business solutions. It's just a better return. MGR CPA and Consultants. Honesty, integrity, always at MGRCPA.com. It's Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever. For a limited time, save up to $500 on top-rated mattress brands like Sealy and Sleepy's. Plus, get a free adjustable base with your $6.99 mattress purchase. Are you a teacher looking to grow your career? Waynesburg University offers a Master of Education with multiple areas of concentration as well as certification in special education. Classes start every semester. Financial aid is available. Visit waynesburg.edu. We're all thinking a lot about school these days. Like, will the kids ever go back? Or why can't they have enough work to last the whole day? Or if it's all online, what are the teachers really doing? Now's a perfect time to consider a Christian education with a school who will be a true educational partner for you and your family. 
Many are offering half-price tuitions for first-time enrollees, like Trinity Christian School in Forest Hills. Find a school that's right for you at wordfm.com slash tuitions. Finishing our conversation with Dr. Charlie Camosi, professor of theological and social ethics at Fordham University, author of Resisting Throwaway Culture. Charlie, only two minutes left, but I wanted to make sure we got to the third portion of your um, of your piece for America Magazine, simply because it wasn't until recently that Planned Parenthood ever received any scrutiny whatsoever for having clear and explicit roots in white supremacy um, based on the actions of their uh, first founder, Margaret Sanger. So just talk about that a bit and um, another thing that probably most Americans aren't aware of. Yeah, so the weaponization of race and, and accusations of white supremacy obviously continues apace. And one of the things I just can't get over is just the the leader of abortion provider providing in our country, Planned Parenthood, has an explicit white supremacist background, and you almost never hear about it. And yet the pro-life movements are often derided as white supremacists, despite their coming out of a very different kind of context. I mean, there's there is there are some attempts to say, oh, this is, you know, the pro-life movement was part of this racist Southern strategy of the 60s and then in the 80s. But that's not where the pro-life movement began. The pro-life movement actually began as part of an anti-war leftist movement. In fact, the anti-war um, uh, uh, rallies had a lot in common with the pro-life rallies at the time. There's this amazing vignette in Daniel K. Williams' great book, Defenders of the Unborn, where he says, um, pro-life uh, marches and rallies had had places where people could burn their birth certificates like they would burn their draft cards because oh. life didn't begin at birth. You know, this was an uh, this was an ar- arbitrary government document, which said when life began. I just find that so beautiful. That's not it didn't come. And of course, African-Americans today, this will be the last point I guess I have to make is African-Americans today and Hispanic-Americans today are very, very much against abortion and assisted suicide when compared with with with, with white folks on the on the left. So so it just gets the narrative exactly backwards. As Dr. Charlie Camosi, check out his book, Resisting Throwaway Culture, How a Consistent Life Ethic Can Unite a Fractured People. As we leave today, and thank you all for joining me on today's edition of The Ride Home, let me just say I want to give Gabby Barrett some love, Munhall native. Um, last night at the Billboard Music Awards, she took home three, um, including top female country artist and top country song for the hit I Hope, plus the remix of the song featuring Charlie Puth, one top collaboration at that ceremony that happened last night in L.A. So Munhall is proud today of Gabby Barrett, as we all are. All right, all the rest of you, have a terrific evening. It's going to be hot. It's going to be steamy, maybe a little rainy. Stick with it. Thanks for being with me today. It's been the Monday edition of The Ride Home. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. God willing. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.